Wow, what an episode that one was, Kath. Yeah, that was. That got a bit full on there with the, I started taking notes with all those numbers. Did you get some of those down? I did, but I did have to re-listen to the podcast to refresh my memory in correlation with my notes because some of them didn't quite make sense. No, that's right. And I suppose that's a good thing about podcasts is you can, when you're listening, which we weren't, we're able to do that now too, go back and and re-listen and pause it. If you, if you need to jot some of those numbers down. So I'd encourage people to do that with this one particularly, <laughs> exactly. if they haven't already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true, so true. So we were moving um, into leasing and we were originally going to try and cover leasing and, and buying in one, but there was no way we could have added the actual purchase of a farm after going through all of that. Yeah, no, that's right. So, I mean, it's its own little um type of business I suppose or way of farming isn't it it's quite it there's there's quite a lot to it there and I think we did a pretty good job of covering covering off some of those key key things you know technical details about lease as well as some of the sort of principles of it and things to think about exactly and I really liked at the the beginning where he said if you've got a really profitable share farming agreement why move? Mm. Mm. Stepping yeah. up into leasing isn't necessarily for everybody. And like he said, there's some questions that he asked that when he asks people, why do you want to go on lease, that depending on the answer, he gets really suspicious really quickly. Yeah, that's right. And there might be some of those things that can be answered by a different model, like share farming or you know, maybe maybe purchasing is for some people or equity partnerships, that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So we started off with the um, risk and reward. It's a big shift. Oh, sorry. Wait, I lost you there. You're going to have to do that one again. Yeah, I think I was saying the same thing as you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the conversation about the risk and the reward, like let's just get that reality check up front before we start doing any numbers because regardless of the numbers, the risk is different, the reward is different. Yeah, it absolutely is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I suppose, again, it comes back to those questions, you know, asking yourself those questions, are you prepared to take the risk like yes obviously we want the reward but you know in a in a bad year it's you still got to pay the lease payments oh absolutely and he did even mention that during that milk crisis some of the the leasees had gone to him and say well can I get a lease reduction and he was like what for like it is the risk and reward isn't it yeah that's right risk yeah that's exactly right um so some of those other basics that were in there around, you know, just the, you know, the high level stuff about, you know, how long do you want the lease to be? When do you want to do the rental review? Some of those things, they were they were really handy tips that have come from his experience, I suppose, years of experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important when, when you correlate that with the risk and reward, like three years is great, but mm-hmm. three years with an option of three years with rental reviews is even better. Yeah, definitely. And knowing how to negotiate that is a skill within itself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I think, you know, there's other, which we didn't sort of go in with him too much, but obviously John's been an independent person 
as well as he's represented different clients and things too. So, so thinking about that, you know, is there someone that you can get that's independent that can come and support, support you to, to do a review um, or, you know, even the inspection. Yeah, and he did dive into that a little bit too, didn't he? Like he encourages everyone to meet on the day they take over, take as many photographic evidences that he can. And like he said, he had done heaps of um, offers of memorandums. Mm, Yeah. They can then be taken to solicitors if you feel like you need that extra level of cover and things like that. Yeah, it's amazing how... Yeah, the sort of legality comes at this point. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And then we dive, we dove into the different types of leases and how we can correlate them really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And there's, I mean, yeah, it's amazing how many different ones there are. You sort of think, you know, the stock standard or the things you've had your own experience with, but then, yeah, when you sort of look into it a bit more, there's lots of options. Yeah, yeah, and just looking past that that general stock standard one, like just taking for an example a three hundred dollar per acre lease, and and converting that into a percentage of milk, like and the tax benefits that ha- that has on both parties, even mm. like just looking outside that that box a little bit too. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. And um, I suppose the you know Beck, you and I farm in. You know, we we live in different parts of the state. So thinking about lease payments, um, you know, and what's a reasonable lease payment to expect to pay um, for those people that might be thinking about leasing or even just for those people that are going to put in an offer expression of interest, like how do you come up with sort of ballparks? So some of those different sort of rules of thumb that that John spoke around, you know, that, you know, that the owner might expect a 3 to 5% per annum um in growth of the of the capital value um and then so so is that reasonable to expect you know they've got that capital growth happening underneath if you like or in the background regardless but then in terms of a revenue you know are they going to expect two to four percent um payments in terms of what they've they've paid for the asset and when when you look at the land and price the prices of land let me speak correctly and how sharply they have increased over the last 18 months, yep. you really actually have to question it, don't you? Yeah, definitely you do, particularly if you're the one that's going to be forking out the lease payment. But yeah, uh, you can't just take that land value on face value in the lease payment. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and then I suppose some of those other ones, um, Beck, those calculations you know, as it relates back to how much pasture does the property, can the property grow? I know. And I actually found this one to be really interesting because what I grow here, as we have discussed multiple times, is a lot different to what you can grow there. Mm. But what I can grow here uh, compared to a less experienced farmer 10 k's away can be completely different as well. Mm. So it's finding that that line of what the actual land can produce. Yeah. What's its yeah, what's its capability and what are kind of the boundaries around that, you know? Yes. What are those assumptions? Exactly right. And again, mm. you've got you've got to take into consideration the stocking rate, the rainfall, all that. Mm. 
And I suppose then that sort of towards the end of the episode, we started talking about, you know, how do you do a budget? Um, And then that beautiful question came up about what what milk price do you put in? (laughs) That was really Um, interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, it is really interesting. And I know, you know, it's great to be conservative. (laughs) We've talked about budgets. We keep talking about budgets all the time and how it's really easy to do a great budget, which it is. But, yeah, turning the budget into reality is is different again so yeah a lot of things to think about there in relation to milk price and and what is a reasonable milk price to put in a budget yeah i know and the the actual discussion about whether milk price is on a whole new playing field um is something that we could do a whole podcast on Mm. yeah completely definitely definitely I mean, and I mean, and not just milk price either. No, <laughs> like, commodity prices, um, beef prices, commodity <laughs> prices, canola prices. Yeah, um, yeah, they're just yeah. It's very hard to predict them long term, isn't it? Oh well, what we've seen in the world in the last eighteen months, mm. I'm glad I'm not the one predicting what's going to happen next. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, and even just locally, um, you know, cattle prices might be great, but um some classes of cattle you can't you can't sell because they can't take them at the abattoirs because they've got no workers i mean that that would change obviously that's a temporary situation but still it's just a sign of the um you know how how much influence the supply chain metrics have on the the farm gate prices oh absolutely yeah absolutely so another great episode to wrap up kath Fantastic. So um, and next week, yeah, we're on we to ownership. into farm ownership. Any parting comments where you need about $4 million? That's right. So at let's... which point I was running off to rob a bank. <laughs> which, of course, you didn't because we know that now because we're here now. You didn't rob a bank. You I don't have the bank. required skill set to do that. No, and we're not going to be giving them in this podcast series either. <laughs> no, but it would be right. really interesting to... um to re-listen to the next one. Yeah, looking forward to it. See you then. Bye.